Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Rich Lewis. Rich is an author, speaker, and coach who focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. He teaches centering prayer in both his local and virtual community and offers one-on-one coaching. He publishes a weekly meditation, book reviews, and interviews on his site, silenceteaches.com. He has published articles for a number of organizations, including Contemplative Light, Abbey of the Arts, Contemplative Outreach, Erdword, In Search of a New Eden, The Ordinary Mystic at Pathios, and The Contemplative Writer. Rich has been a daily practitioner of Centering Prayer since June 2014, and Centering Prayer has been so life-giving and life-changing that he feels compelled to share his journey with others who wish to learn more. Rich resides with his family in Ambler, Pennsylvania, and you can learn more about him at silenceteaches.com. Rich, welcome to the show. Uh, what else would you like our listeners to know about you? No, thanks for having me on. Um, I guess I'm coming on to talk about centering prayer. So um, I, I've been practicing centering prayer since June of 2014, and it's been life-changing and healing to me. I have a website devoted to it, a book devoted to it. I do coaching. I do speaking. So um, I just want to share it with people just in case it can help them. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it's it's something that has helped me, and I want to share it with others in case it can help them as much as it has helped and enriched me. Awesome. Uh, share a little bit about your, your journey of faith. Sure. Um, my mother passed away when I was three and a half, so if she had not, we probably would have been Catholic. Um, but because she passed away, we didn't go to any type of church. I remember going to Unitarian church when I was young. And then in high school is really when I got introduced to the Bible. Um, I had friends that went to a Baptist-based youth group. They invited me to go. So I started going to that youth group. I remember on Thursday nights with about 90 to 100 kids. So that's where I, I was introduced to God, introduced to Jesus, began reading the Bible and trying to make sense out of it. Um, so I guess I was probably, I think it was about 16 or 17 at that time. And then I just began you know, further exploring the Bible and God. Um, when I graduated from college, I lived at home for a little bit till I got myself settled. And, and then at that time, my, my father had, he had remarried many years before that. Um, my parents were going to the United Church of Christ and they invited me to go to their church. So I, I actually, I'm not there now. I'm in between churches now, but I spent about 25 years at the United Church of Christ, which is a, a Protestant uh, church, and um, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the pastor and enjoyed my time there and all the different things I did. So, and then along the way, I guess I began discovering contemplative prayer back in the uh, probably 2012, 2013, began came across it in books I read by Carl McCullman, uh, Contemplative Prayer. So I began kind of exploring uh, contemplative prayer and, and silence. So that's a little bit of my journey with, with really, 
I guess, Unitarian to the Baptist group in um, high school to then joining the United Church of Christ right out of college in my early 20s and spending 25 years there and being pretty involved in that church with doing youth group, teaching adult classes, um, serving on their finance committees, doing a number of different things. And, and, and I enjoyed that church. Yeah, great. Um, you've kind of been all over the map in many ways. Um, yeah. What? Yeah, I want to ask you some questions there, but that's kind of off topic. But what's the spiritual practice maybe other than centering prayer, since that's what we're going to talk about? Um, that you found useful, maybe past or present, and might recommend others? Um, maybe actually a couple. One, um, the Jesus prayer I enjoy doing, and I actually have a prayer rope, so it's really kind of a, a traditional Orthodox prayer rope, and I like to, and I go from knot to knot using my index finger and thumb. I just shorten it. I'll say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on, and then I'll say a name of someone that I want to pray for, or it could be an event or issue or something that I want to pray for. So I enjoy doing that. I just go from knot to knot, and when I'm done, uh, when I think I'm done, I'm done. So that's one thing I do. Um, and then I guess gr gra I call gratitude spiritual practice. I love, before I go to bed, I, I, I get on my knees and I just thank God. I look back at the day and I thank God for anything that I'm grateful for that day. And it could be as simple as the cup of coffee I enjoyed, a, a movie I watched with my wife, a walk with one of my kids. I just kind of look back and reflect on the day with gratitude and go to try to go to bed with, with gratitude. Um, so those are two other practices that are important to me um, besides centering prayer. The, the prayer rope, that's an Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox tradition, is that right? Yes. In fact, I think I, I have it behind me. So this, this is kind of what it looks like. So I, I don't wear it. Um, or actually, you can wear it. Um, but you, and you, then you can, you can see um, the knots, and you just kind of go from knot. I will say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on, and say it, and then just move to the next knot. So, so yeah, this is an Orthodox prayer rope um, that I got, and... It's, I love it. I love it. And actually, I also, sometimes I, I haven't worn it in a while. I, have, I also have a, a prayer bracelet. And you can do the same thing with the prayer bracelet. And you, and you can wear them as well. I've worn it from time to time. So it's just, uh, it's, it's, not, it's just nice to pray and have some action with it. It's, and once in a while, I'll even walk so around the house. I'll just kind of walk if there's no one around and do the Jesus prayer while I'm walking and just go from knot to knot. Yeah, I was, during the winters, I was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with paracord stuff. Uh, during the winters, I'll make paracord stuff just because, you know, I'm bored and it's dark out. And you can't do much other than watch TV. No, I mean, they're neat. And actually, sometimes I'll, I'll put on, actually, the, the, this once in a while, I'll just put it on. Like if I, and I mean, I know God's always with me, but if you kind of touch it, it's kind of remembers. So sometimes I'll actually, because I'm working from home right now, anyhow, uh, oftentimes I'll just put it on and, and, and start my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, let's talk about your book you wrote, Sitting with God. And it's kind of all about, like I hinted at, centering prayer. And so I guess um, I didn't put this as a question for you, but maybe first talk about centering prayer and then, you know, we'll kind of talk through this whole process. Sure. So centering prayer has been around since the early 1970s. It was actually created by three Trappist monks, three Catholic priests in the early 70s. Um, Thomas Keating, one of them, kind of saw that there was a lot of other meditation practices going on, and he wanted something for the Christian community. Um, and Father William Menager um, 
was reading a book, an old uh, the Cloud of Unknowing, a 14th century book, and, and stumbled across kind of what, what could be used as a method of silent prayer um, within this book. So it, it, the practice itself is 50 years old. It was created by three Trappist monks. Um, and I'll share how you do it. They, they began sharing it with other clergy, and then they began rolling it out to everybody. And then actually about 10 years later, the Contemplative Outreach Organization was created. They have a website called contemplativeoutreach.org, and it's really the main centering prayer um, organization. And on that site, you'll see a ton of resources, and you'll also see different chapters, they call them, that practice throughout the various states, as well as internationally. And nowadays, you don't necessarily have to go to their location. A lot of them are on Zoom right now with COVID, even as we're coming out of COVID. So that's a little bit about the, the history of Centering Prayer. So the, the, the guidelines of Centering Prayer are you use, so and, and it's Centering Prayer is considered meditation, silent prayer, meditation, but it's also considered a relationship with God, because during Centering Prayer, you're opening to the presence and actions of God within. So how you do the practice is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed, to begin your uh, silent sit, you introduce interior, interiorly a, a, what we call a sacred word of one or two syllables. It could be God, the ocean, a color, Jesus. And then whenever you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is you begin thinking about things that happened before your sit, or you begin planning in your head what you're going to do after your sit, you realize you're now sitting with your thoughts and your planning. You're not sitting with God. So you reintroduce that sacred word interiorly to let go of all these engaged thoughts and come back to the present moment and the purpose of your sit. And you, you do that when needed. So it's, it's not used as a mantra. There are mantra practices. Centering prayer is not a mantra practice. You just use the sacred word when needed. And then you just you do that whenever needed during however long you're planning on sitting, whether, um, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, they recommended that you try to get yourself up to tw a 20-minute sit, but but realizing that for people that are new, that's that could be a lot to jump right at. So perhaps you really start with one minute or five minutes, and then over time, build it up to 20 minutes. So that's kind of the history of centering prayer, and that's you know how you do the the practice. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I, I'm part of a clinical pastoral education, so I'm a hospital chaplain, kind of in training. And for one of our devotions recently, one of the members of the group led us in 10 minutes of, of a silent prayer. It was a challenge, which I imagine you'll talk more about here. No, I mean, it's, and that's why I, 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 I always suggest new people, I guess two things I suggest to them. One is because they want to know when should I do it? And I'll say, well, I think you should make it the first thing you do to begin your day. And that's, I do, I sit twice a day for 20 minutes as much as possible. So my first sit is first thing in the morning before I do anything. So I tell people, make it the first thing you do before you roll out of bed, perhaps, and do anything. Or if you have to go to a, a private room in your house somewhere, you know, when you get up, go to that room. And then take baby steps. So even if it's just one minute or five minutes, um, take that time in silence before you begin your day. And then over time, try to increase it. So if you started with one minute, increase it to five. And then over time, perhaps 10. And, and see if you can get to 20 minutes. And then do the same thing with the second sit. Add a second sit at some point in the day and take baby steps with that sit as, as well. So I, I, for most of our listeners, this won't be an issue, but I'm just thinking back to you know, your days in the Baptist church. I had some 
some years in the Baptist church too. And, you know, uh, apologies to our Baptist siblings out there. They're not all kind of uh, afraid, we might say, or, or against things that are untraditional. But, you know, some people might like, you know, I don't want to do meditation. Uh, they might have issues perhaps with quote unquote non-Christian practices. Like break down some of these, some of these common myths Sure. I mean, I think some people will say it's, it's heretical. It's not. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. It's not Christian. And and what I'll what I'll say is, um, really, Christianity has it has a rich tradition of contemplative prayer, of silent prayer. It goes, you know, it goes all the way back to Jesus, with Jesus going off alone to be by himself, and we we surmise he wasn't always talking; that he was just sitting with God. Particularly if he was fasting, he needed to conserve his energy. So there's a lot of references to Jesus going off to be alone and away from the crowds and to be with God, to, to probably rest and recharge, reconnect with God and prepare him for the times where he needed to engage the crowds and be in the crowds. Um, so uh, a lot of reference to, you know, rich tradition going back to Jesus, desert mothers and fathers, you know, later, but then even before Jesus, um, you know, be still and know I'm God in references to silence within the Old Testament. So people don't realize there is a tradition of silence and contemplative prayer right in the Bible. They, they just don't, don't realize it. And I'm not suggesting get rid of other ways of praying. Just enrich and complement your existing prayer life, perhaps with some type of silent practice as well. So contemplative prayer has been around a long time. People just don't, don't realize it. Do you think that aversion is like a Western thing, an American thing? I, I mean, I would say yes. I would say it, it's it, it's the more Western thing is probably more talking and busyness and active. And I guess the Eastern and Western churches, I'm not super well-versed on my, my historical events, but the, when that split in 1100 or 1200, I, um, the East, I think the Eastern churches – emphasized, you know, God being within you and, and emphasized um, contemplative prayer and, and silence. And the Western church perhaps became more uh, rules and, and follow the rules. And this is what you must do with part of the split. So it's, I mean, you'll find pockets of, of silence. I, I guess when I, I teach it in the, in at various churches from time to time and, and the churches that are more receptive to it, um, that I've been able to teach at, um, Lutheran churches, United Church of Christ, and um, Episcopal churches are really the the main three types of churches that I've I've gotten my foot in the door, so to speak. And actually, most recently, a Presbyterian church. A couple months ago, I did a talk for a, a bunch of pastors. So it was I had never heard of the term. It's called for the Presbury. They asked me to speak to the Presbury which I guess the San Diego Presbury, which represented pastors in the area. So they all came to the Zoom talk and I talked about centering prayer, how you do it and how it can help you know, a, a pastor um, and why it's important to have this type of practice for, for a pastor. So those are the main churches that I've, I guess have welcomed me when I've tried to reach out and, and, and do some talks. I'm not saying the others won't do it, but I definitely noticed Episcopal, United Church of Christ, Lutheran, and then the most recent Presbyterian church welcomed the idea of exploring it, learning more. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you used a word I want to kind of highlight, busyness. And I think that's really the thing that I, 
I'm wrestling with myself right now is like, boy, I'm busy and I need to figure out what I can cut out of my life. Um, but I'm thinking like, we're not that too far different in context. Like if I read the book correctly, you have kids, you know, you work full time. I'm not sure, but what the spouse, what your, if your spouse or significant other works. Uh, but, you know, generally speaking, like you probably have a pretty busy life or at least you did. And I think the, the stereotype, the temptation in white American culture is just busyness, go, go, go. And you really made it a point to stop and say 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes a night. I mean, that's an incredible 40 minutes a day. You're like, I'm going to stop and just sit with God. Um, so I, I just kind of what a, like, I want to hear kind of like your, I don't know, transformation story. Like, if that makes sense, like, tell me what maybe life was like before and what are some, some things you can point to and be like, wow, this is making an impact in my life. Sure. And the one thing I'll say, and, and I'll talk about all of that. Uh, one thing I'll say is, because people will say, well, I don't have time to practice centering prayer. Or particularly, maybe they do the first sit and, and they'll say to me, you know, Rich, I have no, there's no way I can do a second sit in a day. And what I'll tell them is, try it. It has, it has a way of giving you back time. Because during centering prayer, you're letting go and opening to the presence and actions of God within, and you're letting go of your thoughts and emotions and erasing thoughts. You bring that letting go posture with you outside of your practice. So outside of your practice in your everyday life, you learn to let go of things you don't need to hone in and focus on right there and then so that you're better and more present for whatever that task is, whether it's your wife or your uh, or friend or your, or your work or your child. You're more, you're more present for that person. So I found no matter how busy I am, I do the second sit and I'm always in, and I do my second sit like right before lunch. I eat, generally eat a later lunch. So one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I always am amazed when I look back at the day, it's you know six o'clock in the evening and look back how productive I was the second half of the day. And it's because I, I took that time in silence just to reconnect to God, reconnect to life and, and slow myself down so that I could you know, be more present for the second half of the day. So I'll tell people it has a way of giving you back time, but you have to try it for yourself um, to, to believe it. So that's what I've discovered is the second sit is powerful and it helps me finish the second half of the day, hopefully as well as the first half of the day. That's parad- um, I mean, it's paradoxical in a way, which is true of Christianity, I would say. Christianity is so much a paradoxical thing of, you know, lose your life to gain it. Right, exactly. And then to come to your question about, you know, what before and after. So I've been practicing centering prayer. I discovered it in uh, late 2013, and in, in an, I was perusing Amazon looking for a book to read, and I came across a book by Amos Smith called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. So I began reading that book, and lo and behold, within it, he talked about a practice called centering prayer that he had been doing for about 15 years and I was looking for something to do in the silence. I just didn't know what to do. So that's when I began. That's when it, Centering Prayer found me, I guess, on Amazon in late 2013. I began exploring it, reading other books, reached out to Amos. Um, and he and I have become friends since that point. But then I saw so I began really seriously practicing Centering Prayer in, in, you know, in June of 2014. I decided I'm going to try to do two sits a day for 20 minutes. So, um, so before, I guess... It, if I think about what am I like now and what was I like before, so right, maybe if I say what I'm like now, what kind of answers the question is, I, I, I'm definitely a much more 
calmer person. I'm less reactive. I'm still a work in progress in that area, but I'm less reactive and more willing to listen to people and not jump right in with my opinion. Um, I'm calmer. Uh, I'm a much more confident person in myself. I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. And I think I get wisdom uh, for daily tasks and, and nudges just to get out of my comfort zone um, and, and do things that God wants me to do. I mean, really, everything I'm doing now is because of Centering Prayer. It wasn't even a, a, on the radar screen of, of having a, a website, having a weekly meditation, publishing a book, coaching, speaking. None of that was even on the radar screen. And it's really all because of... And I'm, I'm saying the word centering prayer, but it's really God, listening to, to God and what does God want me to do? Yeah. I'm curious, just again, as a family man myself, what has your family noticed about you? I, I guess I would say I'm just more, I think I'm more present for them. Maybe I'm more fun <laughs> of a person too, but I'm, I think I'm just more, uh, definitely much more present. Um, I think I'm a better listener um, to my wife. Like hearing what her needs are and helping them out. Like, for example, this week, as a very example, uh, she drives my son to school and she was, and she's said, I kind of need a break. I said, well, why don't I, even though I, I said, why don't I take him on Friday and you just sleep in and I'll get him up at six 30 and getting going. Cause we divide and conquer. I have my, my daughter on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So really Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're both leaving the house at the same time. I'm leaving at seven 15 to drop my daughter off kind of at the mall, which is about 10 minutes away, so she can take a SEPTA bus to the community college. The same time my wife is taking my son um, to middle school. <laughs> so um, she, my wife was just saying, I could just hear her saying, I'm just tired. I need a break. And I said, well, you know what? Monday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm, I'm available. You want me to take, you want me to take, you sleep in and I'll take him um, to school on Friday and you just sleep. I'll get him up at 630 and handle it. So that kind of stuff. I think, I think I'm just maybe more perceptive and more listening or watching to realize my wife needs a break. Why don't I let her sleep in and tell her I'll take one or two of those other days and let you sleep in on those two days. Yeah. Let me ask this kind of as a follow-up, like, uh, has there been like, has there been life choices you've maybe turned down opportunities you've turned down because you've said, you know what, this is going to interfere with my schedule and I'm just not going to have the time of day to commit, you know, the 40 minutes, whatever, to centering prayer. I was having another guest on and, you know, mm -hmm. I was talking to this pastor just about, he, he was talking about how he trains and disciples his folks in his church. Uh, he, they live in, they're in the LA California community and how that kind of busyness and just keeping up with the Joneses can become a thing and how he's discipled people to turn down promotions at work because yeah the money was gonna be great but they realized it was gonna be too costly to the family and to their their spiritual lives that kind of thing um i mean right now i would say it probably hasn't and, and i'm fortunate that i have a pretty flexible job where where um, right now, I've been working from home really since March of 2020. But even before that, I was fortunate in that the work I had, as long as we got it done, if we needed to come in later or or stay later, or if we needed to even leave the office to take our kids somewhere or to take myself somewhere, there was a lot of flexibility. So I guess I not everybody has that flexibility, but I, I'm fortunate in that the work I do, 
there is the flexibility where if I need to stop and do something, I can, as long as it's the work's getting done and the clients I'm servicing aren't, aren't suffering. So I haven't had to, but I realize it's, I think it's because I'm in a good a job that's allowed me to do that as well. <laughs> that's good. But I, I imagine you kind of, you would kind of agree with that same broader sentiment, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I would. I mean, sometimes you do have to say no to certain things. Um, I mean, uh, well, this was before I practiced centering prayer. We, I, I had left the workforce to be a stay-at-home dad because my daughter um, needed, she had some mental challenges that she needed help with, and one of us needed to be home to help her through all the struggles. Um, so I was at that, I, I wish I had had center prayer at that time, but I made a decision to leave the workforce. My, we both talked and, and we decided I'll leave the workforce. My wife will continue working and I'll be the stay-at-home dad and I'll handle all the different things that need to be done to best help her. Um, and then she, she did get the help she needed and she's, she's much better now. This was a couple of years back. Um, and then I ended up going back to work to the same company I was at, which had that flexibility. So it was just, I guess, so I made it there. It was just a decision that I can't work and we need to devote time to this. Um, but I wasn't practicing centering prayer at the time. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I knew about it back then. I probably really needed it back then. <laughs> um, but let's jump in kind of, so you had this whole experience. You really got into, into, into centering prayer. And I'm just thinking like, at what point we were like, oh man, wow, let me write a book about this. I mean, that's no small task. Yeah, that that actually, uh, I'll blame that on Amos Smith. So I had mentioned I was reading his book, and he that's how I discovered Centering Prayer. And I began working with him and doing some work off of his website. And then really back in 2014, Amos threw it out to me because he had, he had a, that book, and he was working on his second book, which published then in 2018. But he basically challenged me. He said, Rich, I think you know this is an important practice for you, and I think um, you have some, a voice that can, is much different than mine, so I think you need to write a book. So at the time, I thought he was crazy because I had never written anything greater than five or six pages. I, I didn't have to write much in school and even in college. But I... And I said, well, what do you mean? How would I do this? He said, well, just write down some single sentence statements about centering prayer and what it means to you. So I did that and came back to him a couple of weeks later. And he said, terrific. Now you have your chapters. Go write. Well, I thought he was crazy. And I said, well, I'm not just going to start writing. So I, I picked one of them, I remember. And I took a couple of weeks and I wrote one chapter, gave it back to him. And to my surprise, he, he thought it was he thought it was good, and he thought there was something there, and he, and, he, and he kind of nudged me to continue. Then it dawned on me, well, maybe I really can do this. So I talked to my wife, and I said, what do you, what do you think about me writing a book? And she said, you know, do it. I mean, she, I guess we both are always supportive of each other in our different careers and things we do. So, But I didn't want to take time away from the family, so I actually wrote the book on Saturday mornings at the local Starbucks. I would get up every Saturday morning at 5.30, which was a heck of a discipline at the time, um, and write the book, laptop, put on a baseball cap, buy a cup of coffee there, and write for about three to four hours at the local Starbucks. So the, that's how the book got written, mostly in Starbucks and Saturday mornings over two and a half, three, uh, three years. And it was a neat, actually it was a great spiritual practice because most of the time I didn't know what would land on, on, the, on the keyboard until... It just came out of me. There was 
maybe two of the chapters had a little bit of research because one of the chapters is just on the historical Jesus and what we know about him. So that I had to do some research and then decide, well, what do I want to share? Um, but, but the rest of the book was mostly my experience of what is centering prayer, how it has healed me and, and, and sharing some of my stories. So that's really how the book, I'll blame it on Amos, but no, I'm glad he nudged me to do it. And he was kind of a super mentor along the way as well, but it got written in the local Starbucks for the most part. <laughs> um, so what's your biggest goal for the book, would you say? I, I guess I would say, I just want to make it accessible for people. So really my biggest goal was just to share, make it very accessible for the, for everyday people, um, share what is centering prayer, um, share how it helps you connect to your true self, the person God wants you to be. And then as you just said, you know, I shared, um, my own journey um, and was vulnerable in the book. So hopefully people will see how it has healed and transformed me and, and can do the same for them. I, I think that gift of vulnerability is, so I, I'll just affirm you and say, I appreciate it. And I'm sure it'll be a blessing. Um, other than buying the book, and we obviously want to encourage people to check out the book. Uh, what are some tips maybe for new practitioners or folks who are like, I don't know, but I want to maybe check it out. Sure. Yeah, and I, and I said a little bit earlier, but it's good to remind people. I, I would say make it the first thing you do as you begin your day and take baby steps. So you don't feel that you need to jump right to a 20-minute sit. Start with one to five minutes and, and try this for at least a month and see if it's a practice that resonates with you and, and um, see what it does and how it changes you. And then if you realize that this thing has staying power and, and is powerful for you, start increasing the time and then add a second sit and take those same baby steps of, you know, just a few minutes because some silence is, is really better than, than no silence. I think we all need a daily dose of silence uh, at, at any point during the day. So just baby steps and, and be kind and gentle with yourself. For practical uh, question, do you use any kind of app? What do you use to kind of time it? Or are you just so in the zone that you can do 20 minutes and know when it's over? <laughs> No, I use, I have an iPhone. I use the, the Temple of Outreach has an app. So within the app, you can set kind of, they have different phrases you can read as you begin. They, you can select different sounds for, I have, I have, so I have an opening bell and a closing bell. It's the same sound, but you can, you can make different, you can select different sounds and then you can select how long you're going. So that, that, that nudges me or prompts me that, you know, the time has ended. So I, when I set it for 20 minutes, I know when it has ended because the bell goes off. Yeah, I think I've used that. Well, I have a centering prayer app. I'm not sure if it's the same. I think, let me actually I'll take a quick look. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm calling it the wrong. It's, it's probably, yeah, it's the centering prayer app. So it's, it's by Contemplative Outreach. But yes, it's called Centering Prayer. Okay, well, we'll give them a shout out here, I guess. It's free, I suppose, <laughs> right? Yes, it, it's free. And it's, it's a nice app. And I've been using it uh, since I've been practicing. Yeah. Uh, I, you're kind of convicting me. I should try to try to get back into this. I've done it for a little while, but you know, just the busyness of life takes me out of it. Um, well, uh, where can folks get a copy of the book? Yeah, it, it's on Amazon. So, um, so if they want to learn more about me and the book, they, they can actually, or they can come to my website, silenceteaches.com. Um, the book is on my website. And also if they subscribe, if they just want to learn a little bit more about Centering Prayer before they even jump into the book, um, I have a free ebook when they subscribe. That it's a short, about 10-page 
document that'll share what is centering prayer and answer a bunch of different questions about at the top of the page, asks a question and then answers it. And then if they want to further explore, they, they can check out the book um, just to learn more and, and see and hear some of my stories of how it's healed and transformed me. Well, that's great. I was telling Rich before we started, I read kind of the last 100, 150 pages of the book while I was sitting in jury duty uh, this past Monday. And it definitely helped. I wish I'd had more of the book to read for the second half of the experience. <laughs> so definitely worth checking out. Uh, the book is Sitting with God. Let's take a break, Rich, and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Rich Lewis. And Rich, uh, these closing questions, I always tell folks you can take them as seriously or not as you'd like to. Um, but if you're Pope for a day, you know, what does that day look like? What do you want to do? Um, I guess I would, well, this may sound funny. I, I, I would teach, I don't even know if the current Pope teaches contemplative prayer or practices centering prayer. I, I, I guess I would share the importance of silence, silent pauses um, before we react. I mean, can you imagine if everybody took a silent pause, we probably would all be uh, less reactive and, and, and have better reactions to things in general. So if I were Pope for the day and could make people do things, I would say we all need a daily dose of, of silence and imagine the impact that would have on the world. Boy, that could change the world right there. <laughs> Our professor in seminary used to, used to say something like, you know, take a deep breath like before you say anything because A, your brain needs oxygen to function effectively, and two, it'll give you time to think. Um, a theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? I would say Thomas Keating. He was one of the founders of Centering Prayer, and, and I read his books, and I've listened to him on podcasts and listened to him on YouTube but I never had an opportunity to see him live. So I would almost have loved just to be in his presence, hear him live. And I've heard people that were in his presence. I mean, he obviously he was a long-term practitioner of centering prayer. They felt like they were, not that he is God, but they, they felt like they were sitting next to God and that he glowed and he resonated and, and there, he radiated this power of God. And, I, it would, and it would bring people to tears and, and he wasn't God and they knew that, but there was something powerful about the man. So it would have been neat to maybe sit in the same room as him and listen to him and just see how he re radiated the love of God. Filled with the spirit for sure. We might say, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? I, I would say now I know every, not everybody, like I've been working from home because of uh, COVID and not everybody has that luxury or is in a job that can, but I, I would say, you know, we'll learn that we can adapt and work from home in many cases and that it works. So there are many jobs where it can work and you don't need to be in the office. So I think we as humanity are learning, we can adapt, we can work from home. And I think we're all more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and I kept telling myself when COVID and it is I mean, it is horrible. The number of deaths, I don't I, it's 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 a horrible number, horrific number. And when this whole thing broke out, I would keep telling myself and my daughter, who was very nervous, that we're going to get through this. We're going to come out the other side. So we are more resilient than, than we give ourselves credit for. So those are the two things. You know, we can adapt, work from home. It works. And we're much more resilient than maybe we give ourselves credit. I just, I want to just like, I hope you're right about we're going to get through this because we're, we're recording this the end of October. And I, man, I, I feel like we're just, just going to be a non 
ending just burn of COVID. So, I mean, I'm a little jaded right now. I'm working in a hospital. Our numbers are just bad and it's like, ah, but I like your. No, you're right. I think we're going to be wearing masks for quite a while and it's not going away anytime soon. It's it's going to be with us and and we need to be careful. And your, your point resilience is a good one. Um, what are your hopes for the future of Christianity? That, that the contemplative dimension of it grows, that, that, that even if they, you know, if churches can begin exploring the contemplative dimension of Christianity that we talked about that goes all the way back to Jesus and then even further into the Old Testament and that they can tap into that and explore it and, and let it enrich their, their faith and enrich their prayer life. You know, it makes me think of a question I should have asked you earlier, um, but I'm going to ask you now because, hey, I'm the host of the show. What the heck? Um, <laughs> so much of Christianity in America is really external focused, you know, going to church, singing stuff, doing things. Um, how, you know, what do you think needs to happen to see that switch from being Christianity seen as less externally what we do versus who we are and if I'm hearing and understanding so much of what the sitting prayer is, it's sitting and abiding in God. How do you think that switch needs to happen or, or how we can help inform it? I mean, we really just have to make a decision to, to, to sit in silence. And even if it's just a one minute silence sit, because that's the only way that you, you move from external, you go internal and realize that God, you know, God is also within me. And I'm sitting with God, and I think of it as a reverse prayer. God is praying in me during this time what I need, um, whether it's peace or calm or excitement or wisdom for tasks or or nudges to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things. So I think we just have to take the time for a silent pause. That's the only way to go within, (laughs) where God also is. Um, Give your website again. Sure. Um, silenceteaches.com is the best place to find me. As I mentioned, there's, I have a free ebook on Centering Prayer there. If they just want to learn a little bit more about what, what is this Centering Prayer they've been listening to you and I talk about today. Yeah, definitely recommend the book, Sitting with God. So um, you can hear my probably my guest here in the background. But Rich, thanks so much for your time. Uh, may God's peace be with you. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go. Do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace.